You can listen to WEEI on your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEEI. Now, more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. Hey, you know what? Let's make sure we win the World Series this year. How about that? It's a Red Sox Full Throttle Friday. Swing and a miss. It's over. The Red Sox have swept the Colorado Rockies. The Red Sox are the world champions of baseball for 2007. On the Rich Keefe Show. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. The Red Sox win. Red Sox. I just went head over heels in my chair. Brought to you by McFarlane Energy, the E.L. Harvey Companies, and Aviva Trattoria. And the Boston Red Sox become the first team in the 21st century to win two World Series titles. Can you believe it? All right, it is time for Full Throttle Sox Talk, and it's co-sponsored by McFarland Energy, the heating, cooling, and bioheat delivery pros that Eastern Mass and all of Cape Cod depend on at McFarlandEnergy.com, by the E.L. Harvey companies, including Nosset Disposal and Mega Disposal, your local trash collection and recycling providers, and by Aviva Trattoria, Italian-inspired, locally made from fresh, whole, locally sourced ingredients. And it is uh, March 1st. That means we have regular season baseball later on this month. Still a million uh, spring training games to get through as well. But the Greg Hill Show was down in Florida this week. They had a whole pile of interviews. So you can go to the Odyssey app, check out all the interviews that they did, including uh, Alex Cora yesterday, Nick Pavetta, Tristan Casas, and new chief baseball officer, Craig Breslow. Now, I don't know the man personally, uh, but... I'm not a huge fan. I was uh, did not enjoy his opening uh, press conference that he had or the subsequent uh, Q&As that he has had. It just feels like he may be hamstrung, sure, but he also he's not very relatable. Now, I don't know if that's the most important thing for the job or not, but it doesn't seem very relatable. It seems kind of like... Heim- well, how many people Bloom from like Harvard and Yale can you really relate to? Not many. Probably, probably none. But it's also it's like it's it is baseball, and I know uh, stats have over or uh, you know advanced stats have overtaken the world, but it doesn't mean like we're still not talking about baseball. And now he might he very well could be hamstrung. In fact, he probably is. Right? Like I, there's a reason why nobody wanted this job. This was very similar to the uh, Alex Van Pelt situation. Alex Van Pelt was kind of the last man standing, or the last one that was like willing to take the job. The Red Sox, maybe even worse, nobody would even interview. At least the Patriots got people to come in here and talk about the offensive coordinator position. Nobody wanted to take Bloom's job because everybody saw how it went. Dave Dombrowski won a World Series, and then a year later, they're like, you got to go. Like, wait, how much better was he supposed to do? Then they bring in Bloom, and Bloom, the whole idea is, all right, you're going to draft and develop, draft and develop. But then you didn't really give him time to draft and develop. Like, if that's the thing, if that's what you were going for anyway, I'm not advocating for Bloom to still be here, but you get you get the point. If the whole thing was being patient and developing these young guys, because now Craig Breslow comes in and he's selling us on Marcelo Mayer and Roman Anthony and all the and, and Kyle Teal. Those are all guys that Bloom brought in. So I'm just going to wait for those guys, which you didn't even bring in. And so the offseason has been wildly disappointing. You had guys like Shohei Otani and Yamamoto out there uh, available. Juan Soto was traded. Corbin Burns was traded. 
both in the division, which makes it even worse, but the fact that they were available and dealt Red Sox, crickets on all of that. They have brought in Lucas Giolito, who sucks. He pitched today, and I'm not going to you know, give up on uh, you know, spring training baseball, but he stinks. Not a good first impression. No, it wasn't. Right. If you want to at least just say, all right, first, first trip out there, how did he do? Not great. He went two and a third, gave up four runs, all earned on two hits, including a home run, walked three, struck out one. It's spring, but I never. Nobody thought this guy was going to be good. I don't know why they brought him in, and it's really. And if he happens to pitch well, it's a one year deal because he can opt right out, or he stinks and he and he ends up coming back. Uh, you also brought in Tyler O'Neill, which like the most exciting thing you can say about him is uh, he has like no body fat, like two percent body fat. The best thing you can say is he's in really good shape. Yeah, he's ripped. So if they do like a, a Red Sox calendar with like twelve of the guys shirtless, like that's you'd want him for like June. Oh, Mister June, here he is, Tyler O'Neill. Can he hit a baseball? No idea. Probably not. And so the off season has stunk. Although today they did make another signing. How about a former All Star? Hope you're sitting down, CJ Crone. There were big CJ Crone. He was an All Star in 2022, so not that long ago, where he hit 28. Uh, 29, excuse me, a shorter I am so excited for that signing is what I would have said three years ago. Yeah, well, 29 home runs in 2022, 102 RBI, did play in Colorado, and we've seen with Trevor Story that the Colorado impact is still significant. This past year, he split time with Colorado and the Angels. He hit 248 with 12 dingers, 37 RBI, and a 729 OPS. It was a minor league deal, but he's a right-hitting First baseman, uh, 6'4", 235. You could line him up at like D-end if you need to as well. Uh, but he's a, he's a big hoss. One of his nicknames, this was a big thing uh, Hart and I were doing, going to the old baseball reference. One of his nicknames, Big Fella. Seems kind of lazy. That's so generic. Pretty lazy. It's like the guy, the guy you work with and you don't know his name who happens to be over 6'3". Hey, Big Fella. What's going on, Big Fella? So CJ Crone. Now, I did look up highlights of C.J. Crone because, you know, I am the pregame host of the Red Sox. And two years ago, he hit a 504-foot home run. So I'll take that. The guy's got power. Now, I don't know how much he's going to play or how he factors in. Minor league deal. Maybe we'll see him. But like I said, Craig Breslow was on this morning. And here's some of what he had to say. This is Breslow right off the rip. How's it going? Uh, th- things are good. Uh, you know, it's great to be here in Florida to have players and coaches and yeah. front office personnel all uh, un- under the same roof. Um, it's a chance to get a lot done, to build relationships and have those interactions that aren't forced over Zoom or scheduled meetings. So yeah. I'm enjoying it. Um, and, and I think there's a, there's an exciting vibe around this group. The, the players have uh, really taken it upon themselves to challenge each other, to hold each other accountable. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about Exciting that? Exciting vibe. What the hell? Where's he talking about? I mean, maybe the team, like, they're just happy to, like, be playing again. And, like, you know, maybe those guys like each other or something. Like, that's good. That's great. I wouldn't call the vibe exciting as it relates to the Red Sox right now. 
Who knows? Maybe in Florida it's a little bit different. Maybe the. I would use another word that starts with E X. Existential. <laughs> yeah, they're it, in an existential crisis. They are in a little bit of a, a little bit of a tight spot, a little bit of a jam right now. Uh, here he is asked about if they're going to add to the team before the first game. I know you can't speak about specific players. Um, however, I will just ask you uh, in a way that you might be able to answer. Um, do you expect that you add to this ball club before opening day? Yeah, it's a fair question. It's really difficult to answer because in order for these things to line up, you need uh, you know multiple parties to come together. Um, you know, I've maintained throughout the off season that we will continue to pursue any opportunity to improve the club. Yeah. Um, but it's really it's really impossible to handicap how likely that is for okay. for things to line up. Maybe we could use like aliases or something like uh, <laughs> Orton John Gummery or something like that. Is there right? <laughs> So Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell and even Matt Chapman all remain unsigned. And I blame Scott Boris more for that than I do Craig Breslow or anybody's GM out there. Like, it's insane. It's March 1st. These guys still haven't signed yet. The baseball No one buys into the Boris hype anymore. No, they're not. They're not buying it. Plus, none of those guys are great. Like, Blake Snell just won the Cy Young, but, I mean, he's very, very good. I, I wouldn't put him in that, like, He's had two tier. great years. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't put him in that stud, like, you know, oh, here's Pedro Martinez or here's Justin Verlander. That's my guy I want on Game 7 of the World Series. Yeah, no. Although they probably should have left him in. It's probably what they should have done with Blake Snell. Yeah, nice back to his, his, his raised days. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's nuts. So I don't want to spend big money on Jordan Montgomery. Like I think that would be idiotic. Even though he would fill out the rotation, they desperately could use a starter. But... I mean, maybe I shouldn't say desperately because if you end up giving, if you give in and give him like a seven-year deal, that's insane. You'll regret it in two years. He'll, you'll be paying him too much, and you're locked in with a guy who is good. He's good, not great. He's a, he's solid. Like whatever other like B plus adjective you have, that's what Jordan Montgomery is. So you don't need to break the bank. That would be worse. That would be a reactionary move. So they don't need to do that. But it feels like this is probably going to be the group that they have going in, which means you need Brian Bayo to have uh, an unbelievable year and kind of carry the staff. They put a lot of pressure on him last year, and there's going to be even more on him this year. And Tristan Casas is going to have to have a, a really, really, really good sophomore year. And, you know, Rafael Devers is going to have to be a stud. Like, even if all these things happen, last place. They're a last place team. Yeah, that's what we talked about a few days yeah. ago. Was like this is a team of what ifs. They will yeah. be good if all those ifs take place. And the, and the truth is, that's the case with every single team in Major League Baseball, right? Like every every pro team, right? Like they're they're good enough to be pros. So if you go through and you're like, if we get career years out of all these guys, it's like that never happens. Even with the really good teams, you don't get career years out yeah, of all these guys. You can't bank on that every single no. year. No, you might get a you might get a couple guys. To play up, a couple guys to play down, a couple guys to have sort of their their normal season, and then that's what you get. And so I'm still on the under. Now, depending on where you're shopping, it's like 80 and a half, 79 and a half, somewhere in there. But I mean, if you can find it at 80 and a half, like I don't think this team is going to be 500 or better. They're not going to have a winning record. If anything, it's only a matter of time until they trade away Kenley Jansen, trade away Chris Martin, maybe some of their other pieces as well. And let's just get this argument out of there. No matter what division they're in, it's most likely they'll be in last place. Yeah, there. I mean, there's a couple of other just trash. Just box so teams. happens they have to be in the AL. Yeah, they are in a good division, but also they it the schedule isn't 
weighted so heavy towards the division like it used to be. A couple of years ago, you would play everybody like 18 times. Now I think it's 13 maybe. So it's not quite as much of a disadvantage as it actually would have been in years past. Uh, let's go to Joe in the car on the Red Sox. He joins us next. What do you got, Joe? Rich. Yep. What's going on, guys? Not much. Can you please tell me what's so exciting about this team? Still looking I for mean, that. Yeah, I'm not not quite sure. We're searching, Joe. Yep. I just want yeah, because I want to make sure I want to make sure I, I didn't miss anything because the only thing that's exciting about this team is that we haven't had to watch them play yet. That's so exciting because you, the media, the media is going to have so much fun with this team this year. It's going to be so embarrassing, and I feel bad for Alex Carr. I really do, man. They're really, they're really treating this guy wrong, man. They're, they're not giving him, him anything to play with. Uh, you know, you got damage. I get it. I mean, the guy's got to work on his D. Yeah, he had a bad year last year. Story when he played 60 games last year. I mean, I, I just don't see this team going anywhere. And for John Henry to think that the fans are dumb, you guys, you guys already sold out. They don't, they don't want to sign nobody. They want to just ride what they have, save the money, and that's it. And have these guys, and they raise the ticket prices. From what I heard, of course, I mean, yeah, that's not? insane. They do. It That's is. Insane. It is, and I'll tell you. I was looking at it the other day. So this is uh, the Rich Keefe Stats and Info Department, which occasionally might have uh, an error here or there. But I don't know if it's ever happened where they have finished last place in the division three consecutive years. They've had long playoff droughts, you know, going going back a ways. They've had you know multiple bad. They've had years. the most worst to first. I'll tell you that. That they've had a pile of those as well. Uh, but they just went worst to worst, and I think it's going to be worst again. That would be the first time that I can I can recall that they would have three straight last places in the division, and that's even all different divisions that they've been in over the history of of baseball. But at this point, it would be it'd be surprising if that that wasn't the case. How long do you think Alex Cora makes it through the season? Uh, no. If I if I had a guess right now, I'd say no. I think they I think he lasts more than half the season. It'll depend on how far out they are from the uh, All Star or uh, at the trade deadline. See what kind of goes on there. But if they're selling away pieces, they might just they might just pull the plug on them, and then that'll make for some good. I, I feel like Cora would pull the plug on himself before they pull the plug on him. Yeah, but he wants. I mean, you got to get your money. You know, you got to wait, get your money. But yeah, I don't. I mean, there's no lock that he's here all year. I don't. I wouldn't say because they haven't extended him. So I in. You know, if it gets to the point where you can tell Craig Breslow wants somebody else, then, like, I don't think you need to make him manage the last month of a last-place team. Yeah, so those are the things to watch for. Hey, does Cora make it through all year? It's like, ugh. Tough, tough stuff. Uh, you guys can join us. The Red Sox are on the table, 617-779-7937. We can get back to uh, some of the conversation around the Patriots and the Combine. Plus, they freed up even more cap space. They have close to $100 million in cap space. So who should they be spending this on? We'll get to all that coming up here on the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. But right now, here is Joe with What's Trending. When I saw this Mass Live report today, I ran it by a couple of high-level Patriots executives, and it wasn't completely shot down to me by any stretch. It's a, it's a totally reasonable plan, as you laid out, Treddy. We've been talking about this kind of thing for a long time now, but it was emphasized to me that this is a process and that they've just recently met with the top quarterbacks in this year's class. And 
like Bert is hearing, I've heard as well that uh, the Patriots have been impressed. These guys have all presented well. And this is just the start, though. This is about a 15-minute, 18-minute meeting um, where, you know, a chunk of it at the start, it's just spent shaking hands and exchanging pleasantries, essentially. So uh, there will be... 30 visits, there will be pro days, there will be many more opportunities to do Mm -hmm. some more digging on these guys and see how they operate. That was Phil Perry on uh, NBC Sports Boston talking about the Patriots and their quarterback plan, and it's not like a shocking plan. We hit on it a little bit last night. It's the Rich Keefe Show here at WEEI, where it's draft quarterback in the first round, bring in a veteran quarterback and get rid of Mac Jones. Okay. By the way, I know you wanted this last night. I so did. Here you go. No, this is good. This is good. Talk about burning some cash. A little Seth freaking Rollins entrance. People go They chant. They sing the beginning. They chant this part. Very interactive uh, entrance for uh, Seth Rollins. But now I'm not so sure they're going to be burning cash because Gerard Mayo said he misspoke. You he sure? Misspoke. They got a lot of it now. So they released J.C. Jackson to the surprise of no one today. That freed up 14 more million. Now, I'm not like a huge, oh, well, you know, they, they can only spend what they have cap-wise, and if they're up against it, they can't get anybody else in here and all that other stuff. But the reality is they have $100 million in cap space, so if they don't spend a lot of it, it's insane to me. It's insane. The team stinks. And yeah, they got to spend at least two thirds of it. They yeah, got to spend a lot. I would think so. And I, I try. You don't want to get in the habit of being the team that spends the most in free agency. That doesn't lead to a lot of success. The Jets used to do that. The Raiders have done that. The when they were the Redskins, they were famous for it. They would have these massive off seasons, and you'd even look at it and be like, "Man, that's going to be pretty good." Like I like all those guys, and then crap, or you, you know, you jump up a few wins for one year. And then you go right back down. Like, it's not sustainable. And the Patriots kind of did that, too, here recently. Even though they've been towards the bottom of the league in cash spending, in 2021, that was a pretty significant offseason. Now, most of these guys were misses, but they were aggressive the first couple of days. They went Hunter Henry, uh, Jonu Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Matt Judon, Jalen Mills, I think a couple other guys. Like, it was, it was nonstop. It was great. And they did. They did get a boost. They went from whatever they were, what, 8 and 9 in the Cam Newton year and then 10 and 7 the next year. So they grabbed a couple of wins, got into the playoffs. But then most of those guys were misses. Then, the you know, the, you combine that with some bad drafts and boom, now you're staring at a four-win season, which is what they're they're coming off of. But when you have $100 million and your roster is the pits, I don't know what Elliot Wolf was talking about the other week or earlier this week when he said, yeah, we could spend or save. Like, save it? That Now, just because you have $100 million in cap space doesn't mean that you go right up to it and then also commit to so many more years and you know pay all these guys long-term and all this guaranteed money. No, no, no. Not saying you got to be like a, a maniac. what's going to happen. I'm going to spend half of it on a house, and then I'm going <laughs> to put it away in the bank so that yeah. I can buy an even better house. Yeah, I guess that's what they're planning on doing. Is they're they're going to put it in like a high-yield savings account, and then in two years, it's like, no, 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 you still... You still have to work within the parameters of the league. That hundred million will be two hundred by next year. That's why. Am I crazy to say you can you can outbid everybody for Baker Mayfield? It sounds like if it. that's what you want to do, you could you could do that. The other teams right now that appear to be interested in Baker Mayfield are the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, just keeping them, 
And then the other rumor is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Falcons are also the favorite to trade for Justin Fields. So it seems like after multiple years of swinging and missing on quarterbacks, not even that high, like Desmond Ritter was a a third-round pick. They tried bringing in Marcus Mariota. Like They've drafted other positions and ignored quarterback. Now it looks like they might be going in after one of those two guys because they're also not drafting as high as the Patriots are. So they think maybe it's easier to... Get one of those. And they're guys not going to waste. What are, what are they like? Ninth in the draft? Something they're not. Like they're that. not going to waste Eight, that on like any other quarter. Because basically, from what every draft prospect is saying, you got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jane Daniels, and then the gap is huge to whoever's next. Whether it's like JJ McCarthy, Penix, or Bowman, right. whoever. That and is. I think McCarthy kind of stinks, but he is flying up draft boards and quarterbacks always get overdrafted mac jones go back to 2021 by no means should have been the 15th pick in the draft and you know he certainly outplayed guys like wilson and you know trey lance didn't even play so his rookie year i'm not saying he didn't outplay it but going into that draft as good as alabama was i don't think people are really looking at him as a first round pick and then you get crazy you have all this downtime you have the combine you have a pro day you have interviews i mean they haven't played a game in months and months and months, and yet guys go flying up the draft board, flying down the draft board. So, yeah, the Falcons pick at eight, and they were one of the teams rumored, too, to also maybe they trade up to three. There's going to be a lot of teams in that area that would want to trade up to three, get that third quarterback from the Patriots. But I think the Patriots should also be in on both Baker Mayfield and Justin Fields, sort of balance that. Be like, all right, if you can take Marvin Harrison Jr. at three – what do you have to give up? It would just be money for Mayfield. That's another reason why, to me, it's so intriguing. And I think he's good. Like, I'm not just like, oh, he's a free agent. I think he's really good. Uh, I think bouncing around to a couple of teams has, you know, he could be the, uh, I mean, maybe he's just the new Baker Mayfield, right? But Geno Smith kind of stunk for a little bit and then had a had a couple of good years with Seattle. Ryan Tannehill was bad in, in Miami and then was pretty good in Tennessee. Now, don't get me wrong. If you bring in Baker Mayfield, you're hoping that he's going to be a lot better than those two guys. But it's funny. He even talked about when he went to the Rams for like a hot second uh, two years ago, was like Sean McVay kind of gave him his confidence back, and he, and he was able to use that for this season in Tampa Bay. So he's had multiple good years. He was good as a rookie. He was good his first year under Alex Van Pelt, and they won a playoff game. People kind of... Ignore that. He beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs with the Browns in 2020. And then this year, he I know it wasn't a great division, but he won the division with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, I'm just like you. I'm a big fan of Baker I Mayfield. And I always always I always blame the situation for like his struggles more so than him. Like, yeah, he's had some bad years, but like um his first year after the they made the playoffs in Cleveland, he had a shoulder problem. Then they have the whole situation with Deshaun Watson. Then you throw him in Carolina, he gets signed at the last minute. Yeah, Go to nice. L.A., it's at the last minute. So it's like you give him st- some stability and you give him some weapons, he can be a good quarterback. And he's had like a million coaches. He he played for Hugh Jackson. Like what chance did he have playing for Hugh Jackson? Then he played for Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens was his head coach. And then they got in Kevin Stefanski, who who's, is like a real head coach. But it took him a while to get that. And then, like you said, it was sort of hot potato. He's on all these different teams. So at this point, you know, I think he's probably grown up. I think he can be your your franchise quarterback. It, like, Joe, you and I are probably higher on him than, than most are. But 
because you have so much freaking money, and it seems like some of these receivers aren't going to be able to, to you know, T. Higgins got franchised by Cincinnati. Tampa Bay is probably going to try to bring back Mike Evans. You know, where Michael Pittman, it seems like the Colts are going to make that a priority. So where do you where do you really turn? Um, there are a couple of other options out there. Uh, Mike Giardi actually was on NBC Sports Boston, and he mentioned a guy who I also like quite a bit. I think Ridley's the best of the bunch. You know, Mike Evans is going to be out there as well, it seems like. But Mike Evans, 31, had a lot of drops this year. Ridley coming off the suspension. Had some moments this year where he didn't look totally cohesive with, with Trevor Lawrence in that offense, but I think the upside's there when you watch his tape. His tape still looks really good. Like, he would change their offense. He immediately gives the defense, for the first time in like three years, someone that they say when they're defending the Patriots, we have to shade the safety over here. We can't let this guy go one-on-one with our corner. All right, so Calvin Ridley, he's talking about, of course, suspended after he was betting on football with the Falcons, former first-round pick. And then was in Jacksonville. I did think he was going to be better this year in Jacksonville than he was, but he didn't play for a full year, and he had his moments. But that's definitely the guy I would take. He's probably that fourth-best receiver in free agency. And then I think it kind of drops after that. It's guys like uh, Hollywood Brown. So I would take Calvin Ridley. And if they don't want to pay top dollar, that's the first guy you go get. Yeah, and let's let's dream a little dream here. What if you sign Baker Mayfield and you sign Calvin Ridley, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and then you can go tackle, tackle in the second, third round if you want. That seems like an ideal scenario. It's a good, that's a pretty good team, I think. That's what's crazy is that there's so many options. They can get go down so many yeah. avenues. It's yeah. trying to find the right one. Oh, I know. And, and the it, right combination. It's like trying to solve a Rubik's Cube. It kind of is. It also was curious to me is a lot of these top quarterbacks – at the combine aren't throwing and, and they're not running and, and whatever. Like that, that part's not curious, but they are doing the interviews and the Patriots have interviewed all of the top guys so far. They interviewed Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. Then they also went down the next level and interviewed J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix. They did not interview Michael Penix, which is Really odd to me, only because isn't he right in that group with those guys? I would I would put Penix like sort of sandwiched in between. Like it would be Bo Nix, um, Penix, and then JJ McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. I don't like McCarthy either. McCarthy's probably fourth quarterback on most boards. I would have him like sixth or seventh. But either way, Penix was really good. Kind of like McCarthy, they were really good in the uh, uh, college football semifinal. I mean, you can be a good quarterback, though, when you got the best running back in the nation in Blake Corum. Well, I mean, that's also kind of like the Mac Jones thing. Like, his team was just so loaded, and then he got kind of propped up for that. I read a story that uh, McCarthy was going to, in his interviews, kind of hype up the fact that he won a lot of games. I was like, like, okay. look at what we did last year, huh? Like, you know who won a lot of games was, like, uh, Kellen Moore and Colt McCoy and David Green. Like, a lot of guys have won a lot of games. Ken Dorsey won a million games. Tim Tebow won a lot of games. Tim Tebow won a lot of games. He was nasty, though. He was so good. Obviously didn't really uh, translate at the old next level, but... He was great. Yeah, but I just thought that was odd because it seems like there's the top three quarterbacks, then there's like the next three quarterbacks, and then there's like, all right, pick whoever you want out of that pile. But Penix is in there, and they didn't interview him. Seems very strange to me because I think you could make a case that he's the fourth best, fifth best, sixth best, whatever, but they decided not to. Now, if they do go the Knicks or McCarthy route, that's obviously not going to be with the number three pick. That would be either them trading down from three or maybe trading up from 34. 
because in a, in, in a perfect world or in like a real world where teams don't go crazy for the quarterback, Bo Nix probably would be the 34th pick in the draft. But I think they're all going to get a little bit overdrafted. There'll probably be five guys, maybe even six, going in the first round. So they're going to have to be ready to, to move up for that. But going back to they cut J.C. Jackson, they have all this money to spend, and then Elliot Wolf and Gerard Mayo are both kind of walking it back. And I'm like, well, why? To, to what end? You didn't say, like, who you were going to spend it on. You're one of the worst teams, and you have either, what is it, the most cap space or, like, up there the most cap space? What's the argument for not spending it? What would you say? Would you, like, lean back and be like, no, 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 save it? Because it's one of those things, too, where if people don't like the free agent class. Or yeah, they do they don't know like, something about next year's free agency I don't know. class that we don't? Well, that's the other thing. It's like, I, I hate the mindset of, like, oh, this free agency class sucks and this draft sucks. It's like, all right, so the next one's good? No, 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 that one sucks, too. It's like, so you just you hate all the free agency and draft classes. You only like the sure things. Well, guess what? The sure things aren't available. Let me know when Patrick Mahomes is a free agent. Let me know when these guys just, like, hit the open market. Like, the crazy thing with Tom Brady when he was a free agent was, like, all that had to happen, plus he was 20 years in the, in the league, but for the most part, if you're a really good player, you see it. They, they're they not just going to walk for nothing. That's why, you know, especially with, when there's franchise tags available and, and everything else. So this uh, free agency class, I feel like, is decent. You know, you got a couple of good corners and secondary guys. You have those top-end wide receivers. You got a bunch of – you have a million running backs, as the whole league now doesn't care. They just spit on running backs. They don't care. But they're all available. If you want to add one to pair with Ramondre Stevenson, they're all available. You also have Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson. Oh, actually, you don't have Russell Wilson yet, but I, we all assume Russell Wilson. We know where it's going. Yeah. You have Kirk Cousins anyway uh, and Baker Mayfield. So I, I mean, wouldn't call the quarterback class strong. It's like it's not great. No, but I think when you factor in that uh, Russell Wilson and Justin Fields will get traded combined with Mayfield and Wilson, that's – you know, four starters anyway. So, yeah, there's been years better, but it's not like there's zero guys and it's only I think only you used the perfect word, decent. Not yeah, the decent. Gra- it's not no. the greatest class, no. but it's not the worst. But that's also what you hear about the draft class, is people look at the quarterbacks and they're like, well, no, you can't trust any of these guys. It's like, well, that's kind of... Well, especially after 2021, no one's going to say, this is the most loaded draft no. class ever. No, no one's true. saying that anymore. No, you can't. And, yeah, okay, so you're going to you're afraid you're going to look stupid if you really like one of these quarterbacks. Like that was one of my arguments uh, earlier in the week. I forget if we're talking with Fitzy or with Hart about it is I think it was Hart. You're like, you, you gotta, you gotta go out there and, and take a swing at it. Especially if you're the Patriots, who knows how often you're going to be picking third overall in a draft where three quarterbacks aren't like a stretch to go one, two, three. Yeah. That's why I told Chime a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's better to swing at the third strike than sit there with the bat in your shoulder. hundred percent strike three. Yeah. Right, right. You got you got to be in there. Who knows? It could be good. We were talking about the twenty twenty draft, where the first five quarterbacks taken in the draft are all really good. Like you'd want all five of those guys. It was uh, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts. So everybody's so quick to point out, like, oh well, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones suck. It's like okay, but those five guys are all really good. And you like identify the one that you think is going to be really good. That that's your job to do it. Like you're if you're Elliot Wolf, that's exactly what your job is. And then when you get that guy, whoever it is, it's now Alex Van Pelt's job to coach him up and kind of 
figure out a way to, to use that guy the, the best way possible. But, yeah, I, I hate the mindset of don't even try it. What if you get burned? It's like, yeah, you might get burned. Or you might get a franchise quarterback, and you draft that guy, you have him cheap for a few years, and then you're going to have to pay him because that's the nature of uh, the position, and you kind of go from there. Uh, but, yeah, word out of uh, the combine today also was that Caleb Williams wasn't going to, I guess, release his medicals to every team, which is sort of a strange thing. You don't hear that really ever at the combine. I am trying so hard to, like, stay on this Caleb Williams sort of yeah. train of, like, He's if m- he falls to go get him, but it's like there's he's so much. Yeah, he, yeah, he's making it hard. He's making it super tough, but it's intriguing to me because the Patriots are picking at three. Do enough of these things, are they are they big enough red flags where the Bears and or the Commanders are like, mm, we'll just take Drake May or we'll just take Jaden Daniels? I feel like those franchises, they're a little bit in disarray. They would be totally fine with picking him up and being like, oh, if he's got some baggage, might as well just ride it out with him and hope for the best. Well, one of the baggage was that r- rumor that was going around. You don't know if it was uh, like a real thing or not that he didn't even want to play for the Bears. Now they have to kind of figure that out. And then like his dad called Colin Cowherd and was like, no, he would play for the Bears. And I'm like, oh my God. If your dad has to call a national radio show to like clarify something, like what are we doing? What is that? What are we doing? Although I would still take Caleb Williams. I, if he if he falls to three, I would I would absolutely take I would run up to the the podium and I would take Caleb Williams and then try to figure the rest out from there. All right, how are you spending the Patriots' $100 million in cap space? There's a lot of different options here. What is the best option this offseason for the Pats? Because free agency begins in less than two weeks. I think it's the 13th, right? It gets going uh, in the Wednesday, the 13th in the afternoon. So pretty soon they're I'm not getting... expecting, though, a big explosion of signings. Probably not. Probably not. But they probably, have... probably give it about a week or so. They got no. They got to do something early because you're going to miss out on some of the guys if you if you don't. And then we can really start to judge uh, Elliot Wolf and uh, this new look Patriots front office. But feel free to uh, weigh in here throughout the evening at six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We've already talked socks. We've already talked Patriots. Also want to add the Bruins to the mix as well as they actually got a regulation win last night. So we'll get to all that with you guys coming up on the Rich Keefe Show here on Weei. <laughs> Back here on the Rich Keep Show, WEI is a full throttle Friday. Hopefully everybody had a uh, great week. Look ahead to the weekend here. You guys can join us now until 10 o'clock at 617-779-7937 or on Twitter and Instagram at Rich Keep Show. You can watch the program on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash Boston WEI. Get all the shows from 6A all the way up until 10P. We'll get to the Bruins here in a moment, but let's get back to your phone calls. We got uh, Johnny in Boston. He's up next. What's going on, Johnny? Hey, what's up, man? Hey. Um, so I'm just hoping that Elliot Wolf is in a position to play chess this coming draft period uh, following free agency. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, pick three is highly leverageable. And I, I'm not convinced on any – well, I'm not convinced on the third quarterback um, following the first two taken, whatever way it falls. And so my hope is that 
He starts to leverage the position and trades back twice. And the first trade back Oof. would target those teams that are targeting the wide receiver, Marvin Harrison. If you look at the Chargers at pick five, we could leverage them for their pick in the second round. Same could go for Arizona. Arizona might not be willing to pay that much to get up that only one spot. But if the Chargers are threatening to get above them to get Marvin Harrison, I think that's highly leverageable. And then following that, yeah, but real I think quick, Johnny, but real quick, trade, but real quick, Johnny, if you're the Patriots, let's say you do like one of the quarterbacks, you don't know who the Commanders are going to take. Like, would you then trade up and get the quarterback that you want? Well, here, here's my thought on that. Okay. I, I think you can still get the third quarterback by moving back to pick six or perhaps pick five. So I think you can move back twice and still potentially get the quarterback. Now, this is assuming teams like the Giants don't move up. I, I think there's rumors of them wanting a quarterback now. But, yeah, I, I think that there's the potential of trading back twice and still getting the quarterback. That's my point. All right, um, I got and, you. and I hope that yeah. Elliott Wolf and team are ready to rock. Yeah, so. I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think. Yep. Elliott Wolf. Elliott Wolf coming, coming in here, getting ready to go. Listen, I don't make a lot of guarantees on this uh, program, but I mean, I think it's crazy to think that it's not going to be quarterback one, two, three. So if you want one of those three quarterbacks, you're not trading down. Like I don't, I don't see it's that. It's at least going to be in four. It'd be like Harrison would be picked third, and then the fourth would be a quarterback. Yeah, I, I guess, but I just feel like whatever team is trading up, I, I don't know if they would give up what it would take to get to jump over the Cardinals because everybody assumes the Cardinals will take Marvin Harrison at four if it goes quarterback one two three so then Marvin Harrison goes to Arizona so if you really 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 want Marvin Harrison then you move up to three but then wouldn't Arizona then just trade out at four to somebody else and be like all right we wanted Marvin Harrison so now they'll trade down to six and get Malik neighbors and then maybe the quarterback goes there I listen I love it we get we get we're gonna overthink this now until April 25th I just think it's going to be quarterback one, two, three. It may not be Bears, Commanders, Patriots. That's my whole point. And I'm not trying to trade down. I'm not trying to get cute. The other thing is if the Patriots like two of the quarterbacks, let's say they like two out of three, and neither team above you wants to trade up, now you're kind of playing a little game here. And it's, all right, Is does the Commanders also like the same guy that you like? Because we've listened to and read so many different breakdowns already. There are some QB, uh, quote-unquote, experts out there that like Drake May the best. There are some that like Jaden Daniels the best. There are obviously even more that like Caleb Williams the best. So the Patriots might have their favorite guy actually just follow him at three. Like I think that's actually uh, a possibility as well. Let's go to uh, Brett in Rhode Island. What's going on, Brett? Not much, Keith. First time, long time. Nice. Appreciate it. I've got the uh, the recipe for success for the draft and Perfect. free agency for, for Patriots. So okay. I'll run through it. If uh, if you have any questions, just feel free to stop me. Okay. First round quarterback, as long as it's not Caleb Williams. Hmm. Second round wide receiver, if you have to trade up to it. Sign Baker Mayfield. Sign or trade for Ridley, Evans, or Pittman. Sign on Wenyu. Add some tackle depth either in the draft, free agency, then all the rest of the draft capital and free agency spending on defense, beef that up a little bit. You're, I'm not going to say you're a contender right away, but you're making the playoffs because the defense was already pretty good last year without 
Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon. I guess my only question, and it's uh, overall sounds like a pretty good plan, one I can wrap my head around. My only question would be: Are you you're using the third pick on a quarterback, and then you're also giving thirty five, forty million a year to Baker Mayfield? Yes, because if you can, here's what I would do with that situation: if you can, if you can put him out there, whether the rookie looks like he should start or not, and you can get him out there looking good for a couple games and you can move on from him knowing that, you know, at some point during the season, knowing that you have a really good solid backup plan and, and, you know, whatever the, the rookie is, whether I, I don't like Caleb Williams, but um, Drake may or, or James Daniels. All right. Well, so I don't like that plan only because it's not even like a money thing. And they have, they have, a, they have money for days. They get, they get so much money. They, they're fine. They're Scrooge McDuck with all the money that they have to spend. It's just, taking that percentage of the cap and putting it on Baker Mayfield and then also taking the third pick in the draft because that guy's going to have to play sooner or later. Yeah, when you draft a quarterback or any kind of yeah. player that high, you have the intention of playing him within a year. Yeah, I would right. There, there's the argument and, and made Baker to sit Mayfield, him for a year. and I think Baker Mayfield is done taking these one year rental kind of things. He's looking no, he's for long term deals. He's not, and that's the thing is there's going to be. More of a bidding war for him than any of the other guys. Kirk Cousins, to me, at this stage, because he's coming off the injury, might be more of like a hired gun in that route, whereas somebody's going to say, all right, Baker Mayfield's our guy. Everybody else on that list right now seems like a backup. So I'm not taking, for the sake of this, Drake May at three and then paying Baker Mayfield and then in a year trying to figure out what to do with the other one or whatever else. What I might do is... If Bo Nix falls to 34, maybe take him with Baker Mayfield because I don't know if Bo Nix is going to be ready to start right away. Plus, he's your second-round pick. So that means you're still grabbing like Marvin Harrison and pairing him with either of those guys. So there's a lot there. Listen, we all have our plans. So I I appreciate that. We are all ears really between now and the draft. Uh, You can continue to weigh in here at 617-779-7937. Do want to say the Bruins just uh, snapped a streak where they were playing overtime games every single night. That's all they were doing was was overtime games. It was like six in a row or something. Yeah, and they lost most of them, right? Either in the shootout or just in the overtime period. Last night they actually won a game in regulation. Now it was a little dicey because yeah, they were it wasn't up, pretty. No, they were up three nothing, and then third period it's four to four. So they can blow leads with the best of them. So that still has to be a uh, major concern. But Vegas is a good team, and they got them. They came in here, and then uh, bees are off tonight. They take on the Islanders tomorrow. But two hours down here on this program with two hours to go. We'll continue talking uh, Patriots plan in the offseason now that they have $100 million. And if you have any thoughts on the last two episodes of the Dynasty, we could talk about that as well. So all that coming up here on the Rich Keefe Show, WEI.